This is the Personal Profitability Podcast with Eric Rosenberg. Hey there, profiteers. Welcome back for episode number 103 of the Personal Profitability Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Eric Rosenberg, and I'm really excited about today's guest. As many of you know, I have a background in corporate finance and accounting. I spent about a decade in what I call gray cubicle land, that wonderful place where I sat and stared at Excel spreadsheets for you know, eight to 10 hours a day or so, five days a week. But you know, there's a lot of companies who can't afford someone to take on that financial analysis and accounting role full time. And rather than try to tackle and learn everything themselves, they might choose to outsource their financial analysis and accounting to a third party, someone who might do you know, just a little bit like bookkeeping, basic accounting and taxes and stuff like that, or someone who might really dig into the business um, and also act as a partner and a consultant to help you grow and succeed. And that is what today's guest does. Jonathan Ankney is the founder and the guy who runs Small Business CFO. His company is really interesting. I was inspired by it. I was inspired by hearing about it. So I'm sure you will be too. And as you know, now we don't do ads anymore. So instead of waiting one minute to get into this interview, we're going to get started right now on the Personal Profitability Podcast. So hold on to your seats, grab your favorite drink, and get ready for this fun interview. I am here with the man of the hour, Jonathan Ankney. Are you ready to get profitable? Well, I certainly am. I love it. So you are the founder of Small Business CFO. Can you tell everyone what that is and how you became the Small Business CFO? Well, certainly. Uh, so Small Business CFO is, is a company that services small businesses. And I and the people that work with me are the chief financial officers to the firm that we're serving. Right now, it's not a particularly large business. Uh, I'm the primary CFO, but I do have a part-time CPA that's helping me. And I also have a bookkeeper because a lot of businesses need bookkeeping done as well as their financial management at the executive level. Oh, yeah. You know, one thing I notice you know, doing my own finances, most people don't have that crazy accounting finance background that I have. When I'm doing my books, you know, I'm always digging in and not just looking at the numbers, but trying to pull a story out of the numbers. And I think that's something that it really sets a CFO apart from just you know, an accountant or an analyst. When you are working with businesses, is that something you're trying to do or you're trying to help build them up and look for patterns? Or is it more the uh, that bookkeeping accounting side? Depending on the client, it's one or the other. In an ideal universe, what I will do is I will first inspect the, the financials and the books to make sure that the data is accurate. So we have to have accurate financials in order to make uh, good decisions. As soon as I'm convinced that we have accurate financials, then the next step is to tell them the story as to what I'm seeing. Uh, and you know, it's a little bit funny that you mentioned about telling a story because uh, you remember from the movie, The Matrix, 
I forget the character who the character was, but remember he how he f- would watch that screen that had all of the the dripping characters on, and he said, "See, I see. This is what I see in the characters," and that's a lot of what looking at financials is about: is being able to see something in characters that a lot of people don't see because your financials really are a diary. That's such a great parallel. So, you know, before we started talking, you were telling me a little bit of a story about someone who was having trouble, you know, separating out you know, mentally the differences between their personal finances and their business finances. Having that, you know, your unique perspective you have and your background, how do you look at the differences in personal and business finances and how do you advise your clients or maybe even your friends if they're looking for a little financial advice to clean things up? In some ways, I see a lot of parallels between personal finances and business finances. And, you know, sometimes people will even joke about it and they'll say like, oh, well, you know, things... Things are going pretty well at Eric Inc. right now, referring to themselves as if it's a corporation. And the government even, as you know from from your work, refers sometimes to corporations as U.S. persons, even though in reality it's a, it's a corporate body. I think it was Mitt Romney who said famously, corporations are people, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's some ways they are. They, they come Well, we could go down a long rabbit trail with that one. To answer your question about the parallels between business finances and personal finances, I look at financial management as basically being four things. One is making money. Another is managing the money. The third thing is accumulating and managing the assets. And the fourth thing is financing projects. Let's just kind of break that down a little bit. And it's, this might get a little bit heady, but I think it's going to make sense as we think about it. Businesses need to make money. People need to make money. Businesses need to figure out what they're going to sell to their clients. People need to decide what they're going to do for career. Businesses need to figure out who their customers are going to be. People need to figure out who they're going to work for and what companies they want to work for. Businesses need pricing. People need to figure out what salary they should be getting. You can see that there's a parallel between business finance and personal finance in terms of making money. Managing money. Well, you know, businesses and people both have bank accounts. Businesses have financial platforms. I mean, they're albeit very sophisticated platforms with a lot of software, a lot of staff, everything like that. But, you know, an individual still has to have, uh, let's say, their mint.com account or some other account that taps into their bank so that they can look so that they can code their uh, financials and look at financial reports. Businesses have assets. People have assets. uh, Financing projects. People borrow money to go to school because they want to buy a house or something like that. Businesses are financing uh, new construction or new projects, new equipment, things that are going to help them grow or, or to be more efficient. So I think that there are really just a lot of similarities between, between personal finance and business finance. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I really think it's important to highlight that point on the income side, because a lot of people think that they can only make as much as their employer decides to pay them. But if you think of yourself as a business, you know, no business just gets one customer, or I guess very few businesses just get one customer, and, and that's their goal. And when they do that, it often leads to disaster. Just, I think it was two years ago, a company that was selling the glass screens to Apple, um, that was pretty much their only customer, and Apple picked a new vendor to make their glass screens, and the company went out of business. 
So if you only have one income source and that customer, if you have a W-2 job, that's your employer, decides they don't need you anymore, you could be in a tough spot. But if you're making money in multiple ways, you don't have to worry about that. Exactly. I mean, one of the things that I like about my work is that my income is not just with one client and that I have this this portfolio diversification. I mean, to use a technical term, I have a diversified portfolio of clients and that sustains me. If one pulls out, well, you know what, there will be another one around the corner that either comes to me or I'll go find. Also, one thing that I love about getting new clients, whereas you know, in what we do, me freelancing and you working with clients directly, our time doesn't scale necessarily as well as we might like, but there essentially is no cap on what we can bring in, but there is a cap on what we can budget. You know, we can only spend and cut our spending so low, but we have to eat. We have to have a place to live, but we can earn forever. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So when you are working with, you know, your business clients, do you see any common patterns where people get stuck in their business and they have either a wrong mindset or they make a wrong decision again and again across you know, multiple clients? I would say that the, that the thing that I see with a lot of clients, uh, and I suppose that, that this would be true of a lot of people in terms of their finances too, a lot of clients are good at what they're good at. Think about Michael Gerber's book, the E-Myth Revisited, and he talks about this business called All About Pies and, and you know, this young, impressionable young woman that's, that's running it. And, you know, she's good at making pies, but she's not good at operations. And that's what he's, that's what his book is a lot about, is about operations. But I would go into that same business and I would see someone who was like, I just want to deal with pies. I don't want to deal with money where I'm not going to get creative about how I can make more money and think about ways to become more profitable. And I think that the same is true of a lot of individuals, is, is, that, uh, is it that they don't necessarily see what opportunities are there for them uh, in terms of generating income. And, you know, I've, I'll admit it even myself that I hadn't really even thought about it for the longest time. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll just focus on my business or anything like that. And I'm at an age now where it's like, well, you know, maybe you should start thinking about maybe some real estate or, or you know, get a little bit creative in, in the services that you're offering or maybe do, you know, do the CFO work uh, for four days a week and then possibly something else another day a week. That sounds nice. I think that's what we're all trying to work towards, right? Having a little more freedom and flexibility in our schedule. Exactly. It's it really is about lifestyle, and the thing of it is, is that, uh, and and I've seen people that that sometimes I'm like, wow, you know, this person thought of a way to make money, where they can lead a really really relaxed lifestyle, and and they live in the New York area, which is not easy to do. I don't know if you can relax in that city. <laughs> I love New York, but I've always, from the moment I get off the plane until the moment I get back on to leave, I am like feel like I'm running a mile a minute compared to here in <laughs> Southern California. Well, I'm, I'm sure that's true because guys like me are walking behind you, huffing and puffing and saying, would you hurry up? And, and guys like me, well, I don't go surfing, but my neighbor does. So that's, that's oh, okay. who I'm uh, <laughs> dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. <laughs> yeah, so to shift gears a little bit, speaking of your know, lifestyle outside of business, I know you have a background in music. How did you shift from music into CFOing? That was out of necessity. Um, as you can imagine, uh, musicians, uh, unless you are of a certain caliber, uh, you just don't make a lot of money. And I, I was out of school for a couple of years, and I said, okay, I need to make a decision, either really pursue this, uh, this career 
and and figure it out or do something else. And I took a I took a career test and the results came back and they said, well, you're kind of an interesting character because you have almost uh, polar opposite interests or, or aptitudes. One is towards the arts and the other one is towards administration. Well, what do you know? There are programs out there in the world that are called arts administration programs. And so I ended up going to, uh, there are two types of arts administration programs. One type is based in, it's a master's of art. And the other one is a master's of business administration with a, with a concentration in uh, in arts administration. So I ended up going to Binghamton University, which is upstate uh, New York. And uh, they had at that time a an MBA program for people who wanted to be arts administrators, and I decided at that time to also double major in finance. Now that was uh, that was quite unusual because most of the people who were in the program were very creative, and they wanted to be in marketing, they wanted to be in program development, they wanted to be in grant writing, things that are more creative. Um, but I wanted to do something that was more on the analytical uh, side of things. So I double majored in uh, finance and I came down to New York City. I worked at an orchestra for three years. I was the only financial staff there. So that's basically where I learned all of the different skills that I needed in order to do the work that I do now. So the budgeting, the cash flow management, uh, bank reconciliations, payroll, just all of these different things. That's where I cut my teeth in terms of, of getting the skills that I needed. So do you feel those creative skills that you picked up along the way with the art side of the education? Does that influence what you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Do you still draw on those skills? It does and it doesn't. So when I'm working in a client, typically I'm doing hard finance. So, you know, the books are going to be closed a certain way. The financial projections are going to be written up a certain way. I think that the creativity comes into play in a couple of areas. One is that sometimes I will come across problems in terms of dealing with the software. Uh, the client wants to have their process flow done a certain way or they want a report done a certain way. And I have to go sit down and pull out my creative mind and say, okay, you know, how can we work around this? And I have to come up with that solution. Sometimes the creative side of me comes out when I'm actually trying to talk to someone who doesn't have a finance background. And, the, and so, you know, their brain just does, won't go to the analytical side of things. And then I'll be, say something like, well, you know, it's a little bit like the, this. And then I come up with an analogy that's a typical finance person would not come up with because they don't have that uh, finance background. Oh, that's fun. That's a lot of what I do in my writing regularly. It's try to find creative and interesting ways to take complex financial topics and make them relatable to people who have not spent six years staring at finance chalkboards and whiteboards in classrooms. <laughs> makes, a t makes a ton of sense because there, there really are. This is what I would say, Eric, about uh, finance in general. I really think that it's learnable. I mean, I, here I am, and no offense to any musicians that are out in the audience, but I was a stupid musician. <laughs> and I had to figure it out. I think that anyone can understand it. It's that it hasn't been explained properly. I love that. I think that is such a, you know, a great way to think about finance and money in general. It's not something that you can't do. It's just something you haven't done yet. And everyone has that ability. If they're willing to just take the time and the effort, uh, you can clean up your personal finances or your business finances. Exactly. 
what do you see? And we talked about some places where a lot of business owners struggle. Do you see any common areas where people you work with stand out and succeed again and again that people can learn from? Well, I think that, and this is really appropriate to, to your podcast here because you're about profitability. And I think that there are some common elements among people who are really successful and profitable. Uh, and there are five of them. The first thing is, is that they they really do get to understand who their customers are and how they can make money with with their customers. Then, and as they understand their customers, then they understand what it is that their customers want, and they create that product or that service for them. They're also able to price it right. You know, they don't they don't necessarily go cheap, but they they price in a way that's attractive to the customer, and uh, that makes sense for the type of customer that they're trying to reach. Fourth thing is that they market appropriately, and then finally they keep control over their overhead. Yeah, those are all very good and important things to think about. And when you mention overhead, that is something that eats away at me as a uh, as a small solo business owner owner working online. <laughs> I don't have much overhead. I pretty much just need a laptop and I'm good to go. But those there you go. other little subscriptions, those recurring costs that we could avoid, but sometimes choose to dive in and try, which as a personal finance blogger, it's often like social media, software, things like that. But we all have something that's like a little bit of a vice, even in our personal uh-huh. life. So anywhere you can cut that recurring cost, that's a big win. And that is a you know something to always keep in mind. Indeed, you know one of the th- one of the things that I recommend to to people, um, two things. One is always be thinking in terms of spending like an investor. If I spend this money, how is it going to come back to me? What is it going to do for me? What is my return on investment in in terms of this expense? Uh, so it it forces someone to question the value of the expense to begin with. Then the second thing, of course, is that is that we tend to get into these subscriptions <laughs> to begin with. So take a day a year and just go through all of your expenses and say, is it worth it for me to continue with this? Do I really need these 20 GoDaddy domains that I actually didn't build a website on? That's a funny one to pick on because I have more domains <laughs> than I have websites, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that's a, actually a... Um, if you do have any interest in GoDaddy, listeners, head to trygodaddy.com slash profit and you get a discount because you heard oh, it on this podcast. I'm glad you mentioned that. Excellent. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. If people want to connect with you, if they want to learn more, if they want to see what you're up to, where should they go? Well, they can go to my blog at yourmoneyandyourbusiness.com. And for the listeners here, we're going to do yourmoneyandyourbusiness.com slash personal profitability. And I will have a page there that's, especially for listeners, I will put together just a few things that I think would be beneficial to listeners and they will find, uh, would get them just a little bit further along in their journey towards personal profitability. I love that. Thank you so much. And as always, listeners, those links and resources will all be in the show notes at personalprofitability.com. So make sure to head there and then check it out. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Jonathan. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Well, there's another one in the vaults, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed it as much as me. As always, you can get all of the resources at personalprofitability.com, including a link to yourmoneyandyourbusiness.com, Jonathan's you know, homepage for his business. 
One thing that I've mentioned a couple times in the past I want to bring up again for you is my free personal profitability bootcamp. If you have not checked it out, I think you would really enjoy it. There's no strings attached, no credit card required. Just head to personalprofitability.com slash bootcamp to sign up and you will get an email every morning for a week with a link to a video that's about 10 minutes to 15 minutes long with me giving you a lesson to get started on your path to personal profitability. So whether you're dealing with a little personal finance situation, want to maybe start a side hustle business or just grow your income through that business, whatever you're trying to do, I, I want to help you get started there. So again, that link is personalprofitability.com slash bootcamp. And I hope to see you guys there. As always, thanks for sticking around till the end. Thanks for reviews, ratings, sharing with a friend, all that good stuff. And until next time, stay profitable.